Welcome to Champion Church of the Nazarene's weekly sermon podcast. Each week brings a new message that looks to invite you into a new life brought by Jesus Christ. We hope you are inspired and changed by God by the message brought by today's speaker. I want to do a, a little bit of a lesson demonstration today. It goes with the sermon. And um, I think it will help you begin to grasp what I'm going to be preaching about. Kids here, for just a little bit, I did not dismiss them, so don't you take them. You know, these wives, they think they can tell you, well, they can, never mind. What I have here is water. I know that's a real tough chemical. Could not find a sponge, but you'll get it anyway. If I put this in there, what's going to happen to it? Anybody? It'll what? It'll get wet. It'll get filled with the water. It'll drip and more with the water. When I come over here and I'm going to try real hard not to get this wet, the, 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 the communion table wet, but when I squeeze it, what comes out? Anybody can answer this. What comes out? Why? Because it was what it went into. And it was what? Saturated it. Question. What's your life saturated with? Is what you end up putting out in your daily life. Today's going to deal with some of that. But I wanted to do that to kick off the kids going downstairs. And I don't even know what she's, or I'm sorry, down the hall. I'm still, you two don't laugh at me because I know what you did, all the work you did. I meant that. I, I know the work you did. It's just force of habit. So please forgive me. Before they go down the the hall. I wanted that to be for, part for them, whatever she teaches, but I wanted it to be part for us too. Across the years, I've been a children's pastor, a youth pastor, an assistant pastor, a pastor pastor, a missionary, an evangelist, but I have found this. Sometimes a simple demonstration tells it all. And that's all you need. What goes in is what comes out when you're squeezed. Thank you. Children, kids, you can go with uh, Karen now. Thank you so much. Today, um, we are going to be having communion, and I have opted, if I could, please, to do it at the end. So, guys, you can come in and sit down and do whatever you're going to do, um, but we'll do that at the end as well um, of the sermon. I want to talk to you today on a thought. I want to share with you today along a line, and I'm going to, first of all, be very personal and very yippee as far as my opening. Now, folks, yippee in Kentucky is hoop de doo in Oklahoma, and after that, you guys figure it out. Um, this is a great time of the year, and I thoroughly enjoy this time. 
there are more times to come liken this until September, October-ish maybe. As someone who has been blessed with friends and family that farm and have gardened for years, I love it. I love watching and seeing the corn that needs detasseled. For those of you who are city slickers and not folks that have been around it, and I mean no disrespect, that's that brown stuff that comes off the edge and they have to, of the top of the corn, and they have to get that off so that the corn will finish maturing and getting ready. There are beans standing tall. And the saying is knee high by 4th of July for the corn, and it was very small, and then we got rain, and then it jumped up to about our uh, diaphragm area, so I'm really loving this. There's also the whole thing of grape arbors where you drive by, walk by, and smell it. Oh, I got to tell you, I love doing that. My grandfather had a grape arbor that my grandmother made homemade, I said homemade grape jam, not just jelly. And folks, I would love to have a jar of that homemade grape jam. I'm not a grapeaholic. I can't stand grape unless it was something like whatever she did. I have not been able to replicate it, and it was that good. There's also various fruits on the tree that want to make us stop and smell them. My favorite tree fruit is peaches. I love them. I'm not as big of an apple fan, but I love peaches. And then as far as what grows on the ground, strawberries. Give it to me, give it to me, and give it to me. Then there are those times that we call veggies. And while tomatoes and cucumbers have seeds, so actually they're fruits, we still have those kinds of vegetables, as we call them. I love to see gardens, especially the raised bed kinds. I did gardens for years, and then I went to raised bed, and it took off. I, I built them about 18 inches high and put compost compost stuff, the, the stuff you put on your garden to pull the water, and then we would put the stuff you put on it, and I'm not going into that, and then we plant it, and it was great. There's peppers, there's cucumbers, there's tomatoes of every single kind. Beefsteak, oh, give them to me now. And all kinds, there's also the red and the yellow and the purple tomatoes. If you haven't eaten a purple tomato, it's extremely sweet. But there's also peppers, not the green ones, but the other sweet peppers and the hot peppers. Oh, give them to me, stack them up, let's put them in everything. I love cooking Cajun. Melons, cabbages, carrots, beets, onions. My wife says onions are a gift from God. I debate that. Don't even let me see them too much. But she likes the green ones, the red ones, the sweet ones, the yellow ones, the white ones, the any, any of them. And she thinks they are gifts from God. Are we hungry yet? Are we hungry yet for gardening? There's the reading, the new trends. There's a soil preparation at the end of last season to get it ready for this season. There's the fertilization, the weed germination, the plowing and disking versus the shoveling to get ready for your garden. There's putting nitrogen down, and I hope every gardener even puts some nitrogen down to help it and then folds it in. There's predator and opportunistic animal control. There's watering versus spraying for rain. There's a lot to it. Care must be given for a garden to grow and for a field to yield its fruit, as it were. Corn, beans, whatever. But you have to be careful so that you don't undo one thing when you're trying to harvest another. And really, honestly, folks, other than, besides water flow, that's a big reason why beans and corn are not all tight together in the same field, because they don't want to wipe out the corn. Corn can stand a lot longer than beans. But there's some absolutes and results to be remembered in farming. You cannot harvest if you do not plant. 
You don't plant, you're not going to get anything back. You can only harvest what you plant. You put corn seeds and bean seeds in the hole, you're not going to get cucumbers. And you can get bush cucumbers that make the best pickles. Or you can get vine cucumbers that grow enormously long and big. Thank you, Debbie. Those cucumbers were incredible. We'll take them and we'll eat them, believe me. You cannot, another thing is you can only hope and pray for a harvest that is invested in. The greater the effort, the greater the investment, usually the greater the result. You cannot be a gardener or a farmer simply by enjoying the results. R-U-R is a consumer. You're not a farmer. You're not a gardener. You're an eater. You're a consumer. There's nothing wrong with being a consumer if you don't have but you're not a farmer or a gardener if all you do is eat. You may be disregarded if you're a farmer or a gardener as minimal, but ladies and gentlemen, the world revolves around being able to eat because of farms and gardens so that we can have food, especially in the winter. We would freeze corn and beans and we would make stewed tomatoes and tomato salsa, etc., etc. And finally, the work required, needed, and rewarded to farm and garden is far too often unknown, but so needed. Let's do a transition. As important as our freezers and cabinets are for veggies and fruits and the tastiness of tremendous foods, because God has given us those foods, God has also given us a parallel of harvesting fruit and vegetables for our stomachs with the harvesting of fruits for the kingdom. The same effort, same planting, same work, same investment, same faithfulness must be who we are with our lives, even more than what we do and what we claim to be if we are to be obedient to God, to bear fruit, to be fruitful in the kingdom, and to be disciples of Jesus. There are some inherent dangers, and I'm just going to share some of those with you. I know that there are those who have tried to say these kinds of things that I'm going to say today and have faced a lot of ridicule and a lot of issues. I'm still going to do it. You see, as we started, we still do. We stand on this book right here. It's called the Holy Bible. If it's there, we'll preach it. If it's not, we won't. But there are some inherent dangers if we try to bear fruit that we're going to encounter. So let me just kind of give you some of those. There are going to be those who say this, these things. First, you're all about numbers. You only want numbers to look good and be big. I didn't know that. You must be about money because more people come and give more money. I didn't know that. God's focus is to make holy people and not make churches bigger. Initially, that's true, but he also grows his church. He builds his church so that the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Small churches are better. They connect with people more. And honestly, folks, that is a big indictment against larger churches a lot of times, unfortunately. I would rather have myself multiple churches where they stay connected regardless of the size than a big church that does not stay connected. I have known churches that were small and did not stay connected except for to themselves and never had people come back, hardly ever. But I've also been in churches that are enormous, and yet they can stay connected. You see, it's not about the church size. It's about the church being the church and being disciples of Jesus. 
and following Jesus and being the koinonia and being the fellowship of believers. Small churches are small, and that's just how God lets them be. I've actually heard that one. God will let us be. God will let you be who you choose to be. But he will raise his own church to be his own church, that he will be glorified. Let me give you some thoughts in response to some of those. God is about numbers, not just me. What do you mean? He sent Jesus to the whole world, that the whole world could be saved. That's numbers. He sent them out and to go into the highways and hedges to compel them to come in, so that why? His house would be full. That's numbers. Look around. See an empty place. Envision who can be there, and then get at it. I don't mean that rude. I don't mean that bossy. I don't mean that whatever. But we all must get at it. Jesus provided for us to be new. Not staying where we were. Jesus commanded us to be going into the world. Jesus provided us to be new. New outreach, new focus, new people, new emphasis, new mission effort in our towns, in our communities, in our neighborhoods, in our homes. Finally, and for today, Jesus commanded us, the Holy Spirit transforms us. And here's the thing that bothers me the most about the church at large, and God the Father will judge us. He will, J-U-D-G-E, judge us at the end of time based on our obedience to his plan, his command, and his life for us by what we do or we don't do. I'm going to be coming from John chapter 15, but I want to give a little bit of an exegesis first. John chapter 14 is a beautiful chapter. It starts out with, let not your heart be troubled, believe in God, believe also in me, in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. He goes on to tell the disciples that he is about to go away and what he's going to do with and for them. In, in uh, verse 10, do you not believe that I am the Father is in me, that the words I say to you I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does these words. That's going to come back. In verse 23, we read, Jesus answered, If anyone loves me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and will come to him and make our home with him. Verse 26 says this. This is all exegesis, folks. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said. And then look at verse 31. But I do as the Father commands me, so that... The world may know that I love the Father. A lot of powerful stuff sets up chapter 15. I want to focus, if I could, please. I want you to go home this week. Here's your, here's your church assignment, your church homework. I want you to live, read, breathe, get on a lexicon on the Internet, and in essence, mainline, mainline, the meanings of that of these verses in chapter 15 verses 1 through 8 but I want to focus on verses 2 8 and then go to 17 verse 2 is this every branch in me that does not bear fruit remember you do the words that I tell you every branch in me that does not bear fruit he takes away 
And here's a tough part for believers. Every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. I've got to tell you, folks, pruning is not fun. It can hurt. Pruning can happen as a result of disease. Pruning can happen as a result of obstacles. Pruning can happen as a result of instances and loss of finances. But pruning always, if we stay in the body of Christ, we can overcome the temptations, we can overcome the obstacles, we can overcome the things that we go through because he is pruning us to be stronger, to bear more fruit in us, with us, than from us. Verse 8. By this my Father is glorified. Ready? That you bear much fruit. And so prove to be my disciples. That's powerful. I added verse 17 this morning, so bear with me. These things I command you so that you will love one another. You see, when we bear fruit, when we follow the discipleship of God through Christ Jesus, when we do the words that he has commanded us to do, that's not only glorifying the Father, that's not only bearing fruit, that's love one among each other. Did you get that? Did you hear that? For the theme, I want to share this with you. The theme is this. The biblical perspective of fruit bearing. That's our theme this morning. The biblical perspective of fruit bearing. I want to give you a sermon and a sentence. It's on the overhead. If we are to be the children of God, we must bear fruit for the kingdom, and I would add to that, of God. If we are to be the children of God, we must bear fruit for the kingdom. Or as we have already read, he will cut us off, and he will find people who will. Here's some questions of the hour. How do we do that? How do we bear fruit? How are we to be busy and fruitful in the command and the admonition to be fruit-bearing? How can we go forth and be a church that bears fruit? First thing I would like to share with you is this. To bear fruit for and in the kingdom, we must be instructed in the plan of the kingdom. That's point one. To bear fruit for and in the kingdom, we must be instructed in the plan of the kingdom. Point A is, I, I always try to come with my points as just a Bible reference, and we're going to keep doing that. Point A is this, Psalms 119, verses 12, 15, and 16. Blessed are you, O Lord, teach me your statutes. Did you get it? Instructed. I will meditate on your precepts and contemplate in your ways. Did you get it? Instructed. I will delight myself in your statutes and not forget your words. Did you get it? Instructed. Teach me, O God, be in the word, be in full of the word. Be the rag or the sponge or the whatever, immersed in the water. But more than that, be the life that God has built in and for and, and through you to be in the word. I will meditate, I will contemplate on your statutes, I will be so immersed in your word that my mind is full of your word. And you cannot help then but speak and live what you have been immersed in. 
When I deal with people who have issues with some sins in their life, it doesn't take long usually. Once we get through the initial, once we get into the real heart level trans, uh, accountability to say the reason you're having problems with sin, A, B, C, D, E, F, G, whatever it is, one of the reasons the vast majority of people do it is because they think on it or they're exposed to it. And then they dwell in what they were exposed in. You cannot help but being exposed to stuff. Drive down the road, guys and gals, on the highway. It ain't great. You cannot help but be exposed. But are you going to dwell on it? Karen and I are dealing with a family in New York. I knew them in college. And I've had to be very confronting of that individual. He was a captain in the Air Force. And I just literally had to tell him, Marine, you need to stand down. And then I could get through to him. Why did he need gotten through to? He got exposed to sin, and then he did the sin by dwelling in and meditating on the sin. He's a truck driver. You cannot help but be exposed. On some of your tours, you're going to be exposed. That does not mean you give in. Why? How? By dwelling in the Word of God. I will not forget your words. Your words will be in with me, consuming me, guiding me, and becoming my being and my living. Are we getting it? Instructed? Point B is this. Point B is this, Psalms 119.105. Your word is a lamp, a lamp for my feet, a light for my path. Your word is a lamp for my feet, a light for my path. The lamp, I will follow your GPS. Boy, the military, they treat you this, this, this here's this map, and you just follow the grid in, in, in all the... Longitude, latitude, point, pinpoint it, and you can get there. Now we got these GPSs that are not always right. But this is, this is. Let me ask you, what's the GPS you're using for life? Are we reading people and listening to people as primary? Or are we reading and listening to the Word of God written and the Word of God that became flesh for us? Then when we go down the road, then when we get exposed, when, then when the things pop up on the computer, when we don't have anything to do with them, they still pop up anyway, it's take it out. Lamp. A light, I will wait for the light to shine. I will stay with the lamp until the light shines in me, on me, and with me, and for me, so that now I not only have the lamp uh, there, but I have the light in and the light going forth so I know where to go, how to go, what to do, how to do. 
Ladies and gentlemen, when we are dwelling with the light, when we are building around the lamp, people will see and they will glorify our Father which is in heaven and we cannot help but be seen and be asked and be wondering, and will you pray for me? I have never known a, a barroom drunk to have anyone come up to him and say, will you pray for me? Never. But I've had store clerks, restaurant workers, trash can, uh, trash men, and more. Assembly line workers living for Jesus and be asked, would you pray for me? Because the lamp had the light that shone forth. Are we shining? Are we trying to produce fruit or are we just content to let it come to us? Because ladies and gentlemen, in this area, it's kind of tough to go up and put stuff on people's doors, but you can still walk down the road and meet people. Most of us, if not all of us, have a coffee pot. Most of us, if not all of us, have an oven or a microwave. Most of us, if not all of us, can have oatmeal cookies or something, even if it's just Oreos. Just to have fellowship. Just go down to Hazel's restaurant, not Wayside, Hazel's, I'm renaming it, and have coffee and connect and love people and be light to them, bearing fruit. Well, you don't know what I go through. I am sure I don't, and I do not want to minimize. I know what a lot of people here are going through, at least to an, to an extent. And quite honestly, folks, there's some things that some of you have been through before we got here. I don't know how you're still here emotionally, but you are. Cancer. Stroke. Family death. Divorce. Abuse. And yet you're still here by the grace and the testimony of God. And let me just make a stop right here for a moment. And for those on the internet, I want you to know this. Next week we are going to be talking about healing and we're going to have a healing service. We are going to have healing service. And then two weeks from now, we're going to have baptism. One come for baptism or 100 come for baptism. We've got the baptism and we've got the water. We'll do it. I just believe when we're commanded to do it that we ought to be doing it. And we would invite all of your friends who want to be seeing that or participating in any of that, come on down. We'll scoot over. Point C is this, 2 Timothy 2.15. Study to show yourself approved to God, a workman that does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Stay in the study praying until we are full and become the light and a lamp that Jesus shines forth we get to him then he gets in us then he goes from us study to show yourself approved to God a workman that needs not to be ashamed rightly dividing the word of truth be consumed, study, be consumed with learning. Be consumed with knowing 
and becoming the Word of God. Make haste to be in the Word of God. Give diligence to be in the Word of God. Can I ask a nosy question? I'm a pastor. I can usually do it, but I don't want to be rude, but I want to ask a kind of nosy question. How much time, how much time have you spent in the Word of God for this week? Not just today, but this week. And then parallel that to how, how much temptation have you dealt with? How much struggle have you dealt with? Are we getting it? Are we understanding it? Am I, am I connecting? Approved unto God, tested for God, by God, and have been found as lacking nothing by God. A workman, one found faithful to the word, studied, being the word discovered, not just learning the word discovered, but becoming and being the word you discovered in your devotions. I would encourage anybody that has some trouble keeping that focus to make a journal. One page journal. In a notebook of any size. It can even be like that. Date. Passage. Very, very, very brief summary. What I learned. You're going to be surprised. First, you're going to see how much you've learned. Second, those what I've learned is going to get longer and longer and longer. Let me encourage that to you. Unashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth, cutting away and separating away all that can distract, all that can detour, all that can make you not be fruit bearing and fruit harvesting. You see, in the word of God, with the Holy Spirit of God is where the pruning of God and by God comes. Yet from that comes even more fruit. As some of you know, we are trying to sell the house still in Minnesota. Karen is very at peace with it. I'm not. I'm trying to get there. That's my pruning. We finished painting a lot this week with a gentleman from one of the churches there. A lot of work. Sometimes we need pruning back of, you got to trust me more, Micah David Rogers. Karen says, his house. I know it's his house. We dedicated it to him. And then my wife says, do you really? Is it really? Ouch. Pruning. Trimming, trusting, being in the Word. Point D is Isaiah 55, 11. My Word goes forth out of my mouth, and it will not return unto me void, and will accomplish what I please and where I will send it. You dwell in the Word. The Word dwells in you. You cannot help but bear fruit. How do I bear fruit? The biblical perspective of bearing fruit Instruction in the word. If we are to be the children of God, we must bear fruit for the kingdom through preparation via instruction in the word. Point one was instruction. Point two is this. To bear fruit for and in the kingdom, we must be infilled by the Holy Spirit in us. You keep hitting that. Yes, I do. 
Because if you look in John chapter 14, to set up John chapter 15, he says, I'm going away. Then he says, I'm going to send my Holy Spirit. Then he says, you must bear fruit. Do you see the sequentialness of that? A, Luke 9, 1 through 6, and 10, 1 through 12. I will read one, not both, in the interest of time, but I will highlight on both. Luke 9, 1 through 6, he called the 12 together. In Luke 10, he called 70 together. And gave them power and authority over all demons to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. And he said to them, take nothing for your journey. No staff, no bag, no bread, no money. And do not have two tunics. I wonder how they did laundry. And whatever house you enter, stay there. And from, and from there depart. And wherever they do not receive you, when you leave that town, shake the dust from your head, feet as a testimony against them. And they departed and went through the villages preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. And, and chapter 10 is basically the same thing, only with 70. He sent them in his power and authority for these two times in Luke 9 and Luke 10. Because they did not yet have the Holy Spirit. He had to impart his power to them, for them, the authority to them, for them, before they got the Holy Spirit. He would promise the same thing to them, for them, in the Great Commission. They needed his power and authority to them to accomplish by them the commissioning that he gave them. After Pentecost, they already had the, they got the Holy Spirit and they had the Holy Spirit in them. Therefore, they had his presence, his power, his authority, his overcoming. He sent them with his message and deliverance, the message of his preaching and with the authority over all the demons and to heal as an extension of himself. You see, this thing that we're going to do next week is not a healing service for us. I'm just going to be very upfront with you. I am not against people. I, do, I have disagreements, though, with how healing services are done. We are not going to do anything in any way that's going to try to bring glory to us. We're just not doing it. But what we are going to do is say, in the name of Jesus, we ask you to heal. I have shared this before. My late wife, Jesus, still heals. But he healed by taking her home. Despite being a nurse, I could not get her back. And yet when I get home, when she got home, she's now with Jesus. All her sorrows and heartaches are gone forevermore. When I get there, I'll still join loved ones around the throne singing redemption song. But most of all, when all of us get home, we'll be with Jesus. Healed. Whole. Well, I better get off that one or I'm going to start bawling. But that's okay. He sent them ahead of him to introduce to them what they were going to be able to do through him after Pentecost. Fruit bearing, fruit bearing, fruit bearing. Point B is this, Acts 1.8. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be my witnesses. Shall be my witnesses. That's not a mistake. I did that on, intentionally. 
When the Holy Spirit comes, you will bear fruit. How? Why? You cannot help but be the witnesses. You will be consumed with, you will be overflowed with, you will be infused with, you will have flowing from, bearing fruit. Why? So that he does not cut you or me off. So that when people walk by, they smell the aromaticity of the Spirit of God, as it were. They sense the gloriousness of Jesus. Georgie Wilson was my grandmother. She was the poorest woman I ever knew. She had holes in the linoleum. She had three cups for coffee, one for him, one for her, and one for whoever came by. But every pastor and every church member had to go see Georgie. And they would bring something to eat, and they would bring an extra cup so they could sit down and drink coffee. Why? Because she had the aromaticity of God the Holy Spirit, and she could not help but bear fruit. I was standing at my aunt's funeral the graveside. There was a man there who said he remembered my aunt teaching her in school. But he also remembered my grandmother. And he said this about my grandmother, I am here today as a believer having been a missionary because of your grandmother poured a cup of coffee, couldn't help but talk, and I thought she was the dumbest person in the world and the most whatever. But it still bore fruit in me. I thought you might want to hear that, and you know what I did. This last week, I've driven over 200 miles Two, over two 200-mile days. Two, over 200, I'll, I'll finally get it right. And this next week, I'll drive two or three. Somewhere in there, I hope to get some, some way to get the oil changed. You know what? I am not consumed with oil changes. They're expensive. Even if you get the oil and do it yourself, they're expensive. But I'm consumed with being Jesus not that I'm a pastor that I see people and try to share Jesus with people. It's that I'm a believer in Jesus Christ. When was the last time you shared Jesus? When the Holy Spirit comes, he comes in us, to us, from us, as the same experience that has happened in us. The proof is in the living. When the Holy Spirit comes, so comes the power that produces the fruit. If we are to be the children of God, we will go, we will share, we will compel, and we will harvest fruit. Point one was this, instruction. How do we share Jesus? How do we bear fruit? We have instruction in the Word. Go to one, two, three slide. There you go. Thank you, Kyle. Instruction in the Word. Point two, and filled by the Holy Spirit. And point three, to bear fruit for and in the kingdom, we will have a testimony to share. 
i.e. investing in others. Where do we get that? We're going to use three examples. First Peter, then Paul, then John. For Peter, Acts 2, 32 and 36. Acts 2, verses 32 and 36. This Jesus, verse 32, this Jesus, God himself is raised up. The same Jesus you crucified, God himself raised him up, of which we are all witnesses. And he had a testimony. Did you get that? And he's investing in them. Are you getting that? Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. He's investing in them, though he could be killed by them. God did it. He raised Jesus from the dead. God allowed it. We are all witnesses of this. This is our testimony. Not allowed small churches to be small because that's the way he wants it. He allowed Jesus to be raised from the dead that the body of Christ would be built and expanded and exploded and be the no secret to even be tried to be covered over. God changed it. Jesus is alive and he is Lord, is the Christ you are looking for and needing. Go back to John the Baptist. There comes one after me whose sandals I'm not worthy to unloose, but he will fill you with the spirit and with fire. And then Jesus came up. Here he is. The same Jesus you are looking for. It's this same Jesus that God has raised from the dead. This is my testimony. God did it. God does it. God will do it for you. How do we bear fruit? Do we have to have the Roman road to salvation memorized? No, it would be good, but you don't have to. What about the four spiritual laws? Great idea. I would encourage everybody to memorize both, but not necessarily. Could God be for me, experiencing God in your world? Great resources to use. I've used them, still use them, but not necessarily needed. I would love to tell you what I think of Jesus. I found in him a friend so kind and true. Do you have a story you share? Point B is this, 1 Corinthians 15, 10 through 11. It's about the Apostle Paul. Verse 10, by the great, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. His grace toward me was not in vain. I labored more abundantly than them all, yet not I, but the grace of God, which was with me. Verse 11, therefore, whether it's me or them, whether it's I or they, we preach and you believe. Took the emphasis off of me and I to we preach. What I was, you don't want to know. I helped pull people out of homes. I, helped, I held the cloak while people were stoning Stephen. I sent people off to jail. I made sure some of them got beaten. That's who I once was. But now I'm different because by the grace of God, I am what I am. His grace was not made to me in vain. There are people in this town and people who have visited this church who have had a horrible story of where God has brought them from to where he has brought them to. Do you have a story to tell? Is it perhaps you don't tell a story because we're not impassioned by our story. I think all of us have a story. But are we impassioned by our story? I have my testimony. His transformation is real. I have my testimony. I labored more than they all. My life was consumed with what I once was. But 
God, his grace is not made to me in vain, but God transformed me. I have my testimony. I know the change. Others see it. You can experience it, the same transformation. I am what I am by the grace of God. And whether it's I or others, we preach this same gospel. We tell this same story. We have this same testimony. Are we getting it? Are we investing in others? Or are we going to get cut off? Point C is this, Revelation 1, 9 through 11. Point C is this. It's about Apostle John on the Isle of Patmos. Verse 9, I, John, your brother and companion in the tribulation and kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ. Wow, that's a lot. Tribulation, kingdom, patience. Was on the island called Patmos for the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. In other words, he was thrown there because of his big mouth because he could not and would not keep silent about Jesus. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and I heard behind me the Lord, a loud voice as a trumpet. It was the voice he heard, not the trumpet, but he described it as a trumpet. Verse 11, saying, I am the Alpha, I am the Omega, the first and last. What you see, write in a book and send to the seven churches that are in Asia. Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamos, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. John was exiled because of his testimony. But he was still investing in others. And he was bearing fruit. John was in the Holy Spirit on the Lord's day, not just the Holy Spirit in him, quote unquote. He was in the Holy Spirit on the Lord's day. It was like a screaming, blasting, rising crescendo. I was in the spirit and I heard a voice that was like a trumpet, loud, unmistakable, undeniable, absolute, could not ignore, would not ignore, experienced. He would not let the place or the circumstances of his testimony, of where his testimony had taken him, he would not let that circumstance or that place define who he was. But he let God, the Holy Spirit, use him in that place where he was. And the church has never been the same. John was being given a message to have a testimony, and all the Gentile churches were included. He will share it with the Gentile churches that he knew. None were left out, and all were given. A testimony for you, a testimony for me, an investment in all. And we cannot help but share either if we really have an experience. What's your testimony? Do you have one? Are we sharing it? One has said this, the greatest joy of a Christian is to give joy and glory to Christ and the Father. The value of a man's soul is of such infinitesimal, great, eternal worth that the gates of hell came against it to condemn it. But Jesus came to shed his blood to redeem it. And another one is this. Until we see the horror of a man's soul in hell, we will never cross over the battle 
to battle hell for them. For the man's soul. God provided that power and victory in Jesus. We provide the shoes and the voice to lead them to that victory in Christ. Why? Because God sent his son into the world not to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. There's a song written in 2020. It's called Available. Can you pull that up? See if you got it. The next to the last of the last slide. Thank you. I want to try to sing it, and then it, we'll sing this chorus, sing a verse, and then we're going to come back to the chorus. And I'm going to ask, if you would, when we come back to the chorus, to sing it with me, if you would. Available.
I'm going to ask you to just simply stand. We're not going to say you got to come down, but if you're willing to recommit to just simply be available, go, be, do, and be available. I'm going to ask you to stand as we sing that chorus again on available. Available, Lord, I'm available to do whatever you would have me do. see those who are standing saying I want to be available to you Lord whatever it is I pray Lord that you would burden and break our hearts and that we would see people for who they are creations of you valued by you change their hearts rather if they don't have their hearts changed by you there will be an eternal separation so Lord send us send us into the harvest field may this church be a church that bears fruit like never before there's been good days of the past, but that's of the past. We were told by Isaiah to forget what is past. Behold, I am doing a new thing. It's time to possess the now that we would be still here for the future. And so God, break our hearts to where we cannot help but speak of Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to Champion Church of the Nazarene's weekly sermon podcast. We hope you were inspired by this week's message. We'd love for you to join us on a Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. We are located at 3924 High Street Northwest in Warren, Ohio. You can also join us on Facebook Live. For more information about our ministries, or if you'd like to contribute to our ministries online, visit us at championnaz.org.